Uh, Psalm 138, the Bible says this. In verse 2, it says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's quite a statement. Amen. To emphasize the importance of the word of God. Amen. Our foundation and uh, is the, the word of God. I'm not a religious person. I didn't get religion. When I got saved 32 years ago, I was told the truth, thank God. And then I was given a Bible. And literally, Lord Jesus Christ changed my eternal direction the day I got honest with him. And this Bible has changed my life. And not just the Bible, but uh, the crowd that God put me with, just regular men and women that believed the book. So I'm a Bible believer, and it is a privilege to be here. Uh, when I got my first King James Bible, I was in jail, and uh, I was being held on some charges that I eventually got probation for, thank God. And uh, But that first Bible that I was given, and of course, like I, I said, it was my first King James Bible, because I didn't know there was any other kind. I mean, I, that wasn't an issue to me. Uh, but it had this in the fly leaf. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, it's profound. I probably read it at the time, but everything was so new. Uh, but years later, I started thinking about something, and I went back to that, and I still have that Bible, and, and uh, there it was, and I'm going to read it to you. This book, all right, uh, reveals the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. That in and of itself is very profound. It says its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you food to sustain you, and comfort to cheer you. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. Here too, heaven is opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. You can't have one without the other. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Owned it is riches, studied it is wisdom, trusted it is salvation, loved it is character, obeyed it is power. What a resume. All that refers to one book, and it's the King James Bible. This isn't deep. It isn't complicated. It's that simple. Thank God for the Bible. Now, I have to clarify which Bible, because if you go into a, I hesitate to say Christian bookstore, because I've been in the bookstores with religious stuff, and a lot of it didn't resemble the Christianity that I'm familiar with at all. But there might be a rack of, of, of Bibles and, uh, and there'll be a lot of different versions. And 
Most of them won't even resemble the Word of God that I'm talking about this morning. The word Bible is so powerful in and of itself that it's used in secular, uh, secular, uh, uh, trying to think of the word, applications. Uh, there's a thing called the Shooter's Bible. Anybody ever heard of that? The Shooter's Bible. I mean, I had one of those way before I got saved, had a lot to do with uh, shotguns and ammunition and all kinds of things and anything you need to know about hunting. And uh, and they wanted to declare themselves as the authority on the subject, so they called themselves a Bible. The Shooter's Bible. There's a Fisherman's Bible. There's a Boater's Bible. There's a golfer's Bible. They need a Bible too, but I won't go into that. Amen. So I want to talk about the Bible. Let's pray. Father, I love you and I come to you again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful for the privilege to be here. Thankful for the privilege in America to still assemble like this. And Father God, I pray that you just give me the right thing to say and be a blessing to these folks. And may you be pleased and we'll give you all the glory for anything that goes right this day, this week. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 7. Let me just say some things about the Bible this morning. And I figured that'd be a good place to start. And uh, more than what I figure, I asked the Lord what to do. And I believe this direction that he gave. We do well to just try to get direction from God and follow that, wouldn't it? Everybody's got their opinions. and uh, But we're here today to get God's ideas on some things. And this week, amen, a little parenthesis in our very busy lives. We'll set aside four or five days sometimes to just concentrate, get a condensed dose of, of, of Bible preaching, teaching, hymn singing, and fellowship with God's people. Because that's what we need. Amen. Probably more often than we get a chance to do it. That makes coming to church every service on a weekly basis that much more important. But it sure is, it's a privilege for my wife and I to be with you this week for this purpose. Matthew chapter 7 shows us according to the Lord Jesus Christ doing the speaking. Matthew chapter 7 and verse uh, 24. And it again, the Lord speaking, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. The context are the sayings of Jesus Christ. The Bible uh, this morning is our foundation. Traveling around, uh, we see uh, we see plots of land that once were cornfields or wheat fields. And we'll make our rounds every year or so. It even happens uh, up where we live. Uh, I'll come by and all of a sudden all the crops are gone and the steaks are out and the orange cones and, and there might be a bulldozer. And the next thing you know, I know they realize they're building, they're going to build more houses. I don't know where, where, they're, where the people are coming from, uh, but they're building, 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 building all over the place where we go. And uh interesting thing is, these days, houses are so big, amen. I never lived in a 3,000-square-foot uh, house, uh, amen. But uh, that seems to be, you know, uh, average size these days. Big houses and uh, and beautiful houses, but uh, in, in a subdivision, uh, they all look pretty much the same. 
And it might be, they might be made by the same builder, but they wouldn't be the same regardless of how they looked in the outward if their foundation wasn't the same. As a growing up in the farmlands in northern Ohio, there were parts of some of our fields that were clay and some were rock and some were sand. And you could build on them, but when the storms come and they come. Well, let's read verse 25, uh, 26 rather. It says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine. So there are people within earshot and people that are clueless. It's people that hear, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew, all the same stuff. And beat upon that house and it will. And it fell. Wrong foundation. It doesn't even stop there, does it? It says, and great was the fall of it. Listen, I am happy to be able to report tonight that, uh, that the word of God today, that the word of God is our foundation. And though the storms of life are very real and, uh, and they're common, uh, but, uh, we can stand and it all based on what we do with what Jesus said. So that makes, like I say, Bible Christianity that much more important. Amen. Bible's our foundation. Somebody say amen. Because if you didn't, I was going to start over. Because I thought maybe it might be this thing they made. No, never mind. Okay. So, and now there's a saying that I heard early on, early on, uh, in my Christianity when I say that, uh, uh, the Bible, no, the Bible, yeah, the Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Anybody else ever heard that? I mean, the first time I saw that written, I said, that is one catchy Bible believer slogan right there, man. That is like definitive. I'll tell you something, it's way more than that. It's the truth. It says this in Psalm 119, verse 89, forever. Uh, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That sounds pretty final. Amen. Uh, we know this. Uh, uh, things changed. This thing, since I was here last, have changed. At the monetary, you're only sitting in every other row. So in some degree, things are changing for the better. But overall, I mean, we've seen elections come and go. We've seen countries get invaded. A lot of stuff going on. Things change. I'm glad to report that there's something that doesn't. I'm happy today to be able to say, thank God Jesus Christ changes not. I'm glad the Bible doesn't change. It still remains our final authority. My wife was uh, dealing with a young uh, Christian girl, lady, and uh, and uh, with an issue. And my wife's been in the Bible 40, how many years? 45 years, something like that she's been saved. And, uh, and, uh, and she, the lady gave her the issue, the problem, the question, whatever it was. And my wife looked at her and wanted to help, said, all right. And she turned to a place in the Bible. And and the girl would said, uh, yeah, but, and then added a few more details. And so my wife just went to another passage in the Bible that would address the extra details. And that went on for hours. Even she has much more patience than I do. Amen. Uh, uh, finally, my wife told the lady, said, well, it looks, I can't help you close the Bible and said, it looks like the Bible works for everybody except you. And the point she was trying to make is, 
The Bible does work for everybody. But you got to let it. Amen. Uh, you're not the exception. The answer is in that book. Amen. Thank God we've got something we can can trust. Uh, listen, I'm glad that we're not a bunch of cookie cutter clones. I'm again that. I'd have never fit into that world. And I'm glad that we have the liberty in Jesus Christ to have our own thoughts and our own opinions on things. I am. Amen. But uh, at the end of the day, in all matters of faith and practice, what saith the scriptures is what matters. And if God didn't make a big deal out of something in that book, maybe you should quit making a big deal out of it too. Amen. All right, so thank God for the Bible. Are we in agreement there? Amen. Uh, It says this in John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible is truth. Thank God we do have a source of truth. And And it's right there. Amen. And uh, let's face it, this day and age, you don't know what to believe. Amen. I had a guy come to me after a service one time, after about the second day, he was scoping me out. He was a conspiracy kook, just tell you. And uh, we got him. Might be some in here this morning. Do not raise your hand. It'll mess up my train of thought. I, I, I made the mistake of saying that in a church in Missouri one time. I said, we got any of them conspiracy kooks in here? <laughs> and a woman raised her hand. I wasn't ready for that. I just, mm, now what do I do? <laughs> Amen. But, uh, but I tell you, boy, I, <laughs> I got a couple things going on in my mind right now. But, uh, but, uh, this guy came to me and he says, uh, Brother Spurgeon, did you hear about this? And, and the conspiracy kooks, and if you're one, you know how this works. Um, they got ways of finding each other. They got little phrases they throw out that'll lead into conversations. Amen. Same with carnal Christians. They can find it. You point to one, which guy was ill. And, uh, and, uh, and the guy says, if you heard about this, and I didn't say nothing. So automatically now he's, you know, I didn't say, yeah, I think that way too. And so he added a few more details and I'm just looking at him and he goes, no, I mean it. It's true. It's just documented. It's documented, Brother Spurgeon. He knew I wasn't biting. And I just looked at him and he gave me a few more things and I'm just shaking my head. And he goes, no, it's documented. It's documented. I said, hold on a second. When you say it's documented, do you mean it's, it's like on the internet? Yes, yes, you go to this website, you can find it, you can read it, don't take my word for it, you can read it. And I said, so you like believe everything you read on the internet? Now he's getting the drift. <laughs> so now it's his turn to be quiet. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, if I knew my Bible as well as you know all that stuff, I'd be a better preacher. And I said, and if you knew your Bible as well as you know all that stuff, you'd be a better Christian. He didn't talk to me anymore that week. I can't remember if he came back. I'm just glad we can go to a place where it, oh, it's documented in English. We can believe it. We can trust it. Thank God the Bible is truth. Amen. The Bible is pure. Amen. It says so. It says in Psalm 119 and verse 140, thy word is very pure. (laughs) Therefore, thy servant loveth that. You know, you can be saved and not a servant. That calls for submission. Amen. That's part of the struggle, isn't it? This flesh doesn't want to submit to anything. 
Don't worry, I'll amen myself when it's necessary. I don't expect. <laughs> amen, it says in Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thank God for a pure book. Amen. Uh, in fact, it's the only pure book ever written. I wrote that book on uh, on uh, biking and brotherhood to try to reach uh, my old crowd. And it's G-rated. It's clean. A 10-year-old could read it. There's not one bad, there, nothing wrong with it. I'm not, I didn't, I did not sacrifice my testimony as a child of God to even to reach somebody. I don't believe God's in the end justifying the means. I think God's into us doing it his way and trusting him with the means. And the best of my knowledge, I tried to be faithful and I could have forgot, hey, what I'm saying is that Bible is the only pure book ever written. Got a little preachy there, didn't I? Sorry, just, amen. No, no I'm not sorry, amen. Uh, thank God for a pure book. The Library of Congress has over 30 million uh, books cataloged in it. And outside of a King James Bible, there ain't a pure book in the place. I like the Bible. I'm just bragging on the Bible. I figure that's a good way to start a Bible conference. Amen. Job chapter uh, 23. Job chapter 23. Amen. It's our foundation. Amen. It's our final authority. The Bible is truth. The Bible is pure. Uh, We ought to treasure it. Job 23 and verse 12. And the Bible says this, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So that verse disqualifies Job from being an independent Baptist because... That's that's right up there, boy, that necessary food, you know. Amen. He says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth. Esteem means to honor. To esteem means to respect. We need to learn to honor and respect the word of God more than we do. Uh, It wasn't too many years ago, 500 or so, but in the scope of human history, it wasn't too many years ago, Christians were martyred for concealing portions of what we now have in our lap. I was in Scotland, and one of the main tourist attractions in Edinburgh is is the beheading stone. I mean, people have their picture taken next to the place where thousands of Christians were beheaded for not renouncing faith in Jesus Christ alone and returning to the to the Church of Scotland. Uh, right outside of town, there's a, a cemetery, Greyfriars Cemetery, a mass grave. It, there's a plaque, you can read it. 18,000 are buried in a mass grave for that reason. Not recanting faith in Christ alone. This is our heritage, beloved. Amen. Amen. Those are the people that gave their life so that we can have what we have in the finished uh, revelation, the word of God. And uh, I don't know, I stood at those places and I looked and it's a big deal. And that's why we make a big deal about it. Amen. I'm a Bible believer and I'm not apologizing for it. Amen. I understand there's nice people, saved people, good people that aren't. But I try my best to convince them to be if I could. I think it's important. Amen. So it deserves to be esteemed. It deserves to be honored. 
It deserves to be treasured. It deserves to be loved. You ought to love that Bible. My wife and I sing once in a while. I probably shouldn't have said that. But but uh, one of the songs is, I love the old Bible, the precious old Bible. And I'm just saying to you tonight, today, I don't know why I keep doing that, because I'm an evangelist. I'm in church almost every night. Uh, uh, you do well. You'd be doing yourself a favor to learn to love the Bible. Love the Bible. It says, 100, Psalm 119, and verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, that's the only place great peace shows up in the entire Bible. And it revolves around you loving the word of God. And in a world full of uh, turmoil and chaos and apprehension, loving the word of God will give you great peace in spite of it. Listen, I don't wake up in the morning and turn on some channel to find out what I'm supposed to worry about today. I don't do that at all. I don't worry about nothing. I got a Bible that tells me I saw a t-shirt, I finished a revival in Alabama Friday, and a girl had a t-shirt on, and it said, weather forecast, God rains, and the sun shines. And I'm like going, I like that, that's pretty good, amen. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's going on out there, amen, you can have great peace. And and it says, and, and great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And I look at that, I'm thinking, why is it that people that claim to love thy law are sometimes the most easily offended people I ever met? In the old days, we could go out and uh, just say it like this. Get mad, fight, get over it, and go back in and continue life. Amen? But boy, not Bible believers, man. You make, you make a brother or sister mad, you got an enemy for life, and now you got to worry about him getting on a stinking internet talking bad about you. Amen? Say, somebody, Brother Burton, they were talking about you on social media. I said, I don't care. I've never looked at it. I'm not looking at it now. That stuff don't bother me. Amen. You do well to respect the word of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, for, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thought, that's a lot of stuff. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, that makes that Bible right there the most powerful force on the planet. Amen. I'm a veteran. I got to go to the infantry museum at Fort Benning uh, last week and go through those, that place and reminded of a lot of good memories in my past. And, uh, and I have a lot of friends that are veterans and all the different branches and I get to preach in different places. And I had a guy explaining to me in Norfolk, Virginia about a nuclear a ship that, uh, that, uh, had this, uh, you know, just an awesome array of weapons. And, uh, and we realized that we were talking about it and he says that we have nothing in our nuclear arsenal that can divide Soul, divide us under soul and spirit. We got stuff to do the, do the number on joints and marrow. But that book, that book, yeah, that book will divide us under soul and spirit. That's the most powerful force on the planet. That's divine power. We shouldn't take it lightly. Amen. Try to encourage you not to. But I'm saying it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. A dear friend of mine once said, when you're reading that book, it's reading you. So all your cults and everything we learned in Bible school, all the cults. I had the privilege of going to Charity Baptist Bible Institute at my local church. 
while I was on federal probation. Worked out real nicely for me. And, uh, and, uh, and we learned about, uh, most of the cults were started by independent Baptists that went haywire. They'd take a verse and say, well, that means this and that means that and that means that. And that by, God knows the intent of your heart when you open that book. And if you want to believe you can handle rattlesnakes, he'll give you a verse. You want to believe you have to be baptized, he'll give you a verse. Amen. All that stuff. We were at a church in West Virginia years ago when we had the kids and, uh, with us traveling in an old bus. And, uh, and, uh, they, we are, I mean, we are three hollers back from the internet, interstate. And dad, and one of the girls said, dad, uh, this, this, they don't handle snakes back here, do they? And I said, well, there's people that do, but that's not where we're going. That's not, not our crowd. I'm hoping. And, uh, I get this church, little country church in the hills. And, uh, and the girls were talking, making friends. They were nice and friendly until they got married. No, I'm kidding. And, uh, they still are. And uh, I, I'm walking around and checking the place out. It wasn't a very big church, but there was a white box up by the front, you know, a wooden. And I'm, that was, and so I walked over there when, no, when kids were preoccupied, and I went, I kicked that a little bit. But I tell you what, stuff, stuff would have started rattling in there. I was like, get in the bus. Amen. But I'm going to tell you what, you want to, you want to, you want to bring your, your agenda to the Bible, that, that book's been called the most dangerous book ever written. But I'm going to tell you what, you can go to that book as a 37-year-old former drug head, drunk, with, a, with, with, with enough honesty to admit he was a hell-deserving sinner, hadn't read a book in 20 years. You can go to that book and open up and say, God, I need a lot of help. And I think I heard him say, yeah, you're right. And he'll speak to you out of that book in a way that you can't understand it. That is quite a book, boy. Amen. You ought to respect that. Thank God today, I said it right that time, the Bible is our source of comfort. It says in Romans 15 and verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have Hope. Amen. Paul thought so highly about it that he finished the chapter 4 in, in the epistle to the uh, Thessalonians with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Thank God. I've buried my whole family. Everybody older than me anyway. And uh, thank God for the comfort of knowing where they are. And, uh, you know, we say, I don't know how people go through this stuff without the Lord. And and I do, I remember. I mean, I've only been saved 32 years. Uh, people go through stuff with liquor and, and, and pills and, and worse stuff. And, you know, we go through stuff too, but thank God we know, we know what, uh, who's in charge. Let me say it like that. Amen. I get great comfort. Now, Bible, Bible salvation. Not to be confused with whatever else is going out there in the world of religion. A Bible salvation is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? That's what you got. If you're saved in here, you know, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, that's about as personal as it gets. And uh, if you're saved, then you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, Bible Christianity, I like to differentiate between what's going on all over the country 
and I don't want to get ugly or specific for no reason. I like to define what we have as Bible Christianity because, again, what we've got and what we believe and what we're trusting, amen, is based on what the Word of God says. That's just, like I said, it goes back to it being our our foundation. Amen? And uh, thank God, Bible Christianity is then a personal relationship with the Word of God. It's important. Uh, it says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It's that personal. We need to hide it in our heart. I read a, a book on by uh, Richard Wormbrand, and this guy, Romanian pastor, and uh, definitely thought a little different than some of the things I think or was taught. But at the end of the day, this guy walked with God. He did 14 years in solitary without a Bible, without anything, and came out more spiritual than he went in. He's the exception. That man did a lot of hiding the Word of God in his heart when he had the chance. Sometimes we get all excited. Well, they're going to come and arrest us. They're going to come and take all our Bibles. You know, you can have whatever thoughts you want on all that stuff. I'm not a fearful guy. I'm not sitting around worrying about stuff I can't do anything about. But I know this, if there was an outside chance that that was true, I'd be getting all the Bible in while I could, that I could. Somebody asked me one time, you know, uh, Brother Burgett, how do you explain something was going on? And it was a shocker. It's always a shocker when Christians go eyeball deep in sin when they know better. And it's just, it does happen. I wish it didn't happen. But somebody asked me, they said, what do you think the reason is for all the sin in the camp and all the sin within within our crowd? And in light of uh, Psalm 119 and verse 11, might have something to do with carrying it under our arm and not getting it into our heart like we should. Amen. And uh, it says in Psalm 119 and verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Amen. You ought to delight in it. You ought to delight in it and meditate on it like it says in, in, in Psalm 1 and verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know what? You would uh, you do well to learn to delight in it by reading it every day. Every day. Amen. Now, my wife, she's a reader. She reads everything. Amen. Me, I'm not much of a reader. I have to force myself. You might be like her. Good. Read your Bible. You might be like me. Then you do the same. You force yourself. Amen. We need to uh, learn to delight in it. And what I've learned is the more you read it, the more amazing it gets. There's subjects, there's topics, there's books I've been given. It's like if I'm bored on the page one, that's it. <coughs> Well, you don't get to be that way at the Bible just because you get to something you don't understand. You got to just persevere. You got to, and then if you'll do that, then the Lord will give you the ability to comprehend what's going on. When I got first got saved and they said, read your Bible. I got, I, I made bond. I'm going to church. They read your Bible, read your Bible. And I'm going, okay, all right, big book. I opened it. Next thing I know, I was in Ezekiel. I went, what? <laughs> So he said, well, maybe it's should start in John. <laughs> Amen. I'm like, oh, okay. Amen. And the more I read it, it's still to this day, and some of you have been saved a lot longer than I have, read the Bible more times maybe than I ever will, and uh, you would probably uh, be able to amen the fact that that book, there's something in that every time. My wife will say, was that always been there? You know, 
And it has, and God will give you things. But, you know, if you treat it like a, like a, a, a school book, read it, put it back on the shelf, you have, you're missing out. And you're not delighting in it. I don't know what your motive is, but I'm just trying to encourage you to delight yourself in the law of, uh, of, of the Lord. Uh, read a proverb a day. Now, I just will say there's a little more than stu- more to study and, uh, to show thyself approved unto God than a proverb a day. But, man, there is such a wealth of wisdom, practical wisdom to be found in the book of Proverbs. You'd be doing, you'd do yourself well to read a proverb a day. Amen. Delight in it. And then meditate on it. And, uh, you know what that means? This is deep now. You might want to get your pen out. Meditate on it means to think about what it says. You don't just read through it to put a, you know, check mark on a page. When you see some there, look at it. There's something God wants you to see, to get. Amen? And you're not going to exhaust this resource. So get something and move on, and I guarantee you there'll be something there next time. Let me say this. If, for, if you're like me, and you're not a reader, you know, just by because you love reading, they make wonderful Bible reading calendars, charts, lists. And that's exactly what some people need to kind of kickstart the good habit. We had a lady in New York City uh, tell us recently, said my wife had given her a, 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 a neat calendar that was all broke down like that for daily. And she said, I've been in church 20 years. I've read my Bible through several times, but I never read it cover to cover in one year till your wife gave me that thing. Some people just need the structure, just need the kick in the pants. Amen. And, uh, but whatever it takes, let's do, let's figure it out. Let's do it. Cause that's, man, that book, you know, you need to learn to spend time with it. I'll finish with this, baby. Uh, Psalm 16. Talking about the Bible. And it says this. Now, this is probably a coincidence. So I'll just clarify that right now. But probably. Psalm 16 and verse 11. 16 and verse 11 says this. Thou wilt show me the path of life. The path of life is in that book. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence. Is fullness of joy at thy right hand. Our pleasures forevermore. As far as I can tell, the closest thing you've got to his presence on this earth is that King James Bible. And maybe uh, one of the reasons so many Christians lack joy or victory over sin is that they're not spending as much time in his presence as they should. Maybe that's the reason some Christians are so easily caught up in the cares of this life. It's because they're spending so little time in his presence. A uh, little kid, eight-year-old maybe, he uh, he looks up on the shelf at home. There's a big family Bible up there. And uh, he says, Mom, Mommy, whose book is that? And Mother says, Why, Johnny, that's God's book. <laughs> little eight-year-old kid says, Maybe we should give it back to him. Nobody around here is using it. We got Bibles, but we're going to have to do something with them. Amen. We've got a treasure. Amen. That we should value more than we do. 
if God magnifies his word above his name, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should value it a little more than we do.